and welcome to The Writing Forge, where we discuss tips and tricks for honing your writing. I'm Bonnie. I'm Miranda. And we're your hosts. Let's Let's get get into it. Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays. Welcome to this episode of The Writing Forge. We, um, because this one's coming out in the holidays, I requested that we get to talk about the movie The Man Who Invented Christmas today. So that's that's what we're going to do. It's just me and Miranda. It is. And it your, should be fun. It should be fun. Like writing and ghost stories right. and crazy authors. And it should be should be grand. I rewatched it this week so that I would be ready. It was like, I have to do very grueling homework of watching a movie. Shame. I know, right? Such uh, such a hard life. <laughs> I know my life is hard. So I I guess I wanted to, I wanted to start out by saying like I'm not making any judgments. I don't actually even know like the historical accuracy of this movie. I have no um, idea. Yeah, I have no idea. But one, I think it's highly underrated, mostly in that like I don't actually know how critics took it or anything. But I don't feel like anyone has ever heard of it when I bring it up. And so I think if you're a writer, you should definitely go watch this movie. Because whether or not it's historically accurate, I think it can teach us a lot of things about the modern writing and publishing world. Like, there's a lot of parallels. Definitely. Um, so the, one of the first ones that that's really stuck out to me was um, Dickens in the movie goes through this. Basically, he's he's treading the waters of, am I going to traditionally publish oh, this or oh, self-publish this? Also, uh, spoiler warning. <laughs> <laughs> I know people get upset about mm. this. Um, Dickens has been out for a very long time. Even if you don't know the specific story, I'm pretty sure almost everybody here in America has heard of... Or know the plot of... The uh, Christmas Carol? The Christmas that, Carol. Are you doing a spoiler warning for I the do, Christmas Carol? I don't know. <laughs> spoiler warning for the Christmas Carol. Spoiler warning for the man who invented Christmas. I feel oh. like we just need to cover our bases because the internet. Yeah, it's true. All right. We, spoiler warning. We love you, internet. The spo- spoiler Spoilers have been warned. We anyway. We'll be talking about the ending of this movie and the ending of the book. So um, you have been forewarned. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Continue, please, about traditional publishing and self-publishing. Well, first, now I just want to know. I Okay. So The Christmas Carol was published in 1843. So I think that's past the statute of limitations. But I mean, we're coming up on almost 200 years. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're 20 years shy of 200 years. Yeah, that's so. crazy. Back to talking about the modern world, traditional publishing versus self-publishing. So Dickens, um, the movie starts with him having gone through a slump of writing, which I think is also very relatable and really needs money, also relatable. Mm -hmm. And so he finally has this idea for a book and he goes to his regular publishers and they, for a variety of reasons that I don't even remember now, Basically, he's like, this isn't going to work out. Oh, mostly, I think, the timeline thing. He was like, it, they're like, it's October and you want to publish a Christmas book? Like, there's no way we can do that. Um, it was partially timeline and partially that he had gone on a big old tour and uh, his last, his most recent books had flopped. Right. And so they, they paid for this big old tour for these books and it was supposed to help sell and it didn't sell. And so, yeah, so it was partially um, your last stuff didn't sell super great. <laughs> And yeah, you're crazy because it was six weeks, eight weeks. Yeah, I think he wrote it in six weeks or something like that. Yeah, and then published it. Yeah. And it was a ridiculously short period of time. Which is very, I think, applicable to the modern world. Like, if you're going to traditionally publish something, like, expect it to take at least a year. 18 months is what I have heard. Yeah. So, and that's, I don't even think that timeline is counting the time it takes you to find an agent and, and even start. So, this is like, you already have an agent, you already have a publishing house, and you're like, I'm going to publish this book 
Yes. It will not be done in six weeks. No. Um, but if you go the self-publishing route, which is what Dickens did, you can do turnarounds like that, provided you have the money. Have the money <laughs> and to the connections. put up front. Yeah. Yes. The network. I mean, I guess that's to say you can publish whatever you want, but if you want it to be Good a high quality, quality thing, yeah, then it probably will take some money to make up for the lack of time. Yes. Um, another thing that you can see in there is the, the self-publishing versus traditional. He has a lot more creative control. Um, he's able to pick exactly who he wants to illustrate the book and he's able to tell the illustrator like he's like that's not what the ghost of christmas present looks like he's much too dour like make him look (laughs) like my friend Um, supposed to be happy and jolly yeah full of life yeah you are definitely going to have a lot more control in that way if you self-publish yes so you get a much bigger say because i think we talked about it a little bit in our comic book episode Mm. but yeah between traditional publishing and self-publishing like you typically like they might ask for your opinion on the cover in traditional publishing might. yeah <laughs> uh and apparently i have heard that that is a rare courtesy yeah so the a lot of authors don't get input on on covers or book design or anything of that nature that's usually left up to the publishing house whereas if you self-publish you can have Every other page illustrated. Yeah. If you so feel like. If you so afford. If you so afford. (laughs) (laughs) I do want to be careful. Like, I don't want to poo-poo on the traditional publishing industry. Like, one of the reasons they don't take your input that much is because they know what they're doing. Like, it doesn't all, like, they're not all knowing. Sometimes they make mistakes, but also. um, That that is their profession is to sell things. Yeah. So they have, they have good ideas. So don't, don't dismiss it out of hand, I guess I would say. But it is important to know what's important to you. And that's how you decide. Yes which route you're going to go. Agreed. Um, another thing that I thought, well, we sort of touched on this a little bit, was just the timeline of publishing. Again, way, way faster, way yes. more possible. I mean, and this is crazy to think about in 1843. Like, they did not have print-on-demand machines at Amazon. Like, they mm-hmm. had to have people set the type and... Um, and then hand-press <laughs> yeah. the type into the page, yeah. let that page dry, yeah. get the series of pages done, bind the book, probably also by hand again. They had private machines by then, but machines that took a lot of handwork as opposed to what we have today. Uh, a giant singer, uh, <laughs> a giant singer sewing machine. Right, exactly. So, which by the way, I, I don't know if I mentioned, I did my master's in the history of books, so I also find this movie fascinating from that angle too. Um, oh, was it accurate as concerning the printing process? Well, I mean, I, I, I took one class on on hand printing presses, but so like it looks good, but I'm, I'm definitely not an expert. But I will say that if you ever have a chance um, to set type in a in a type in, in a in an old school type thing, no print machine, um, it's very soothing. I found I found it very fun to set type. But I guess you have to be the kind of person who likes knitting or something. But if you like knitting, you'll probably like setting type. <laughs> a very repetitive, yeah. not super... Like you have to think a little bit, but not too much. Mm. Anyway. Um, <laughs> then the other thing that I took note of just about learning f- from this movie is the importance of beta readers and editors. Now, I, yes. I don't know. Like Forster was his agent. I don't... They were actually friends in real life. Oh, no. I, I have no idea about that at all. I was just going to say, I don't know the um, the the... Status of editing, I guess I should say, in 1843. Like, I I don't know how much of a, like, how much like a modern editor he was to him, but I kind of put him in the category of editor, or I think more literary agent. I think he was one of the first literary agents 
Don't quote me on that. <laughs> um, but I like in in the movie, you can see the, the big thing that s- sticks out to me is Tiny Tim, right? And yes. he's got the one maid who's like, you can't let Tiny Tim die. And then, Well, everyone was like, Yo, how could <laughs> yeah. you let Tiny Tim die? Exactly. <laughs> um, and I love the point where, where Dickens says to Forster, well, you told me to kill little Nell. And he's like, well, yes, that was right in that story. But in this story... Um, you this need kid something needs else. to live. Yeah, <laughs> this is about hope. This isn't about you know making a statement, or the statement is hope. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I liked I I I liked all of that. The also the agent is just funny. The <laughs> the actor does a good job yes. of portraying him. The dialogue is great if you like dry humor. Yeah, that's the that's the publishing process. What did you think of his muse, his muses, and how how they portrayed the writing process? Yeah, I was thinking about that when I was watching it, and in some ways I feel like movies about writers kind of give a false impression. Like, I don't think this one was too bad, but there's definitely, like, you definitely get the sense that he's waiting for his muse to hit Mm -hmm. so that he can write the book. And I I think it works like that for some people, but I think for most people, it... um, writing his work and you can't you can't just wait for the views like that I mean that's part of Dickens's problem in this in this book right is like he needs to write because he needs to make money so he can live and pay off his debts and his dad's debts and his dad's debts mm-hmm. yeah but he was blocked which we hadn't I was thinking about our episode on yeah. on writer's block too we did we had that <laughs> earlier this season yeah well so so one thing that I thought was was very um realistic is the blank page um, yes. he coming and staring at the blank page and it haunting him. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know about you, but I've definitely had that experience. Oh, for sure. I've opened up a fresh word document, looked at it and just been like, wow, I don't need your judgment. Like, <laughs> how dare you look at me like that? So right. that blinking cursor that's yes. just like, mm-hmm. is just mocking you. It's it, the modern equivalent of the, of his, his blob of ink falling on the page. Exactly. Right? So, especially since that was kind of a big deal back then. Yes, that's true. Because <laughs> you ruined a whole page, yeah. and that was, that was, that was an issue. <laughs> yeah, no, and I still just think it's crazy that you know, writing by hand, uh, editing by hand, it's just crazy. It had to take so much more work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, especially since I listened to like to segue just for a second, uh, I was listening to an interview with Margaret Atwood, and she was talking about how at the beginning of her writing career, cu- uh, cut and paste literally meant cut and paste (laughs) like she would slice the page in half and then tape in a paragraph to and I was just like wow okay like that totally makes sense as to where that phrase came from but I never never even thought about it like ever never thought that that would be a thing but it would had to be a thing because how else would you move it around unless you just rewrote the entire page over and over and over again and then you miss an and Right. <laughs> no, and now I feel like we're dating ourselves in, in reverse, like writing by hand. How hard? Anyway, how hard? <laughs> there are still people who do it today and you amaze me. So I find like the the blank page can be mocking, but I always I don't know. It doesn't quite work for me that way because I've heard I've heard other authors who have seen the movie go, yes, I talk to my characters and I'm not crazy. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, you're not. Um but I've never had, I've never manifested a character and not never clearly. never hallucinated, you mean? I mean, uh, well, no. Well, actually I have, but that was <laughs> not about a character. It was, I think I had 104, 105 Oof. fever and it was, I was aware it was a hallucination the entire time. Anyway, that was not, that's, that's not what we're talking about, but I don't. 
I know a lot of authors who talk to their characters as if they're in the room with them to try and like figure stuff out, like, you know, take your character to lunch or, you know, give them an interview and sit them down and talk with them. So that way it's to like make them more real in the author's mind and to get a better sense of characterization and stuff like that. And I understand where all of that comes from, but I've never that's never worked for me. That's, it's never worked for me to be like, okay, so my main character is sitting in front of me and hello, how are you? What are we going to do now? And so I always find it interesting because there's been a few movies that I've watched that pull up characters like that, which is fine and fair. And if that works for you, awesome. But I've, I've never really found that to be my experience, but at the same time, I don't know how a movie would portray it otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. It's definitely a uh, artifact of the medium, if you will. Yeah. Like how, how do you, how do you get across that you're struggling with this? Uh, one, one author thing, I guess, that I really liked that they did was, uh, was Dickens collecting names. Yes. Cause that is definitely something that I try to do. Cause naming things, I hate naming things. <laughs> I, really, I really, really do. I struggle. I over-research. I put way too much thought in I, if, if there was a part that I could farm out reliably, that would be it. Like, <laughs> no, I'll no. be your namer. I need you to find the perfect name. I don't know what it is. It, it's like trying to get my mom to say what she wants for dinner. Like, I need you to pick a meal. I don't know what I want, but you need to find it. And it needs to be perfect. Like, that's me with names. You need you to find a name. Don't know what I want, but you need to find it. And it needs to be perfect. Nice. Um, but Scrooge, not Scrooge, sorry. <laughs> Dickens collecting names like Scrooge. I, I really, I really enjoyed that little bit because that is definitely something I do since that is something that I struggle with. That's actually one of the things I liked. Like, I feel like from an outside perspective, it might look like he was just waiting for inspiration, which is what I think is the dangerous message. But, but you can see if you look in at the details, like he was doing the work. Mm-hmm. He was trying to, he was, he was gathering little names and bits and pieces of things and, and, and putting them in his brain and then his brain shifted him around till he figured out what he was going to be writing yes definitely like that I also liked uh I also like specifically the scene where he's sitting there and I think he's trying to name Scrooge mm-hmm. and he's and he's like no it doesn't sound right it has to be darker it has to be meaner and it has to be um and he's like Scrooge your name is Scrooge and pops up and and he pops up I did I did like that specific bit because I have I've definitely had those moments where it's like no this isn't right what what what's the feel that we're going for what's this what's that and talking out loud and to myself and trying to figure out like like what what do I name this or what is this part like I've totally had mock battles trying to go okay this choreography isn't working so okay so we're punching down over (laughs) here which means you have to be you know sliding over here and and all do, you that ever, kind of thing. do you ever make people come help you? Be like, look, I can't figure out how this punch works. My brother has definitely been recruited, as has my sister. Nice. Uh, and my poor coworkers at uh, my former security job, I would definitely grab them and be like, <laughs> I just need you to stand there. They're like, okay. okay. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Thank you. You're done now. Be gone. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> well, I think... Um, that's enough time for today. There's so oh, many wow. things about this movie that we could talk about, but uh, I think I think that was a good. Oh. I just I'll say everyone go watch it. Um, We're done already for Christmas. I know, <laughs> right? We didn't even talk about like all the actually good things of the of the plot of the movie itself, but uh, 
I'll say go go watch the movie and go watch it. There are great character arcs. They're There's really good. Awesome foreshadowing, mm-hmm. and they they wrap it up neatly, but not so neatly that it feels forced. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. So happy holidays, everybody. Stay sharp, my friends. And we will see you next season. May God bless us, everyone. May God bless us, everyone. You did it better than me. <laughs> it's okay. We're good. Uh, see you next season, guys. <laughs>That's all the time we have for today, folks. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Writing Forge, an NCW podcast brought to you by Nagano Press. To learn more about The Writing Forge and our parent company, Northern Colorado Writers, be sure to check out our website at northerncoloradowriters.com. Check out our social links in the description. You can subscribe to The Writing Forge wherever podcasts are aired. If you like this episode, you'd really help us out by rating and reviewing. If you're looking for more informational writing content, be sure to become an NCW member. Stay sharp, my friends.